0: I Believe that this morning. I'm going to be sharing something with you. That is a key to turning an impossible situation around in fact It's the key So everyone say the key key. I'm giving you the key when nothing else works This will work each and every time and I want to start out by asking you. How does your problem compare to your God? Let me ask it another way. How does your God compare to your problem? It's a matter of perspective and focus, because listen, we can't have mountain moving faith if we don't have a mountain moving God. Come on now, your 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 God has got to be more capable than your enemy is. And so today I want to talk to you about an awesome God. An awesome God, and we're going to go to the book of Job and. uh, but I need to tell you as we get started, <clears throat> too many people are afraid of the book of Job. Because they see it as a book of trials and tribulations, and it's kind of like a debt collector. If you don't answer, they didn't call. <clears throat> and so if you don't read it, <laughs> you'll have no problems at all. And, uh, but, you know, James said that you ought to consider the endurance or the patience of Job and how God is merciful. Job is not the is not a book of tragedy. It's a book of redemption. And you got to consider the end of Job in order to appreciate Job. And the way I liken it is this. Imagine there's a football game going on and it's your favorite team against your least favorite team. And the team that you don't like is whooping the snot out of the team you do like. I mean, first quarter, it's bad. Your team can't get nothing on the scoreboard. The other team is just racking up points. Same at the second quarter. Going to halftime, and it's bleak, and it's dark, and even the coach goes, guys, I... <laughs> we'll have next week. <clears throat> Third quarter, it's more of the same, right? Up to now, it's a tragedy. It's a horror story. But something happens in the fourth quarter. And in the fourth quarter, your team turns everything around. And when the final buzzer sounds, your team wins. Now, let me ask you, is that a good game or a bad game? That's a good game. Why? Because it doesn't the first three quarters are forgotten. All you know is we won. And so that's the way we need to look at the book of Job. Look at the end of the book, and it's an amazing book. And I got to tell you that I want to I kind of lay a foundation because I need you to understand that I don't come at Job your atypical word of faith preacher way. I just don't. Uh, I don't come at many things the normal way. Bishop Miller, who is my spiritual father, told me one time, he said, son, you're just wired different. <clears throat> And like always, I choose to see that as a compliment. You've heard me say before that one person looked at me and said, you know, you're pretty annoying. And all I heard was you're pretty. <laughs> and so it was the same when Bishop said, you, you, you know, you're wired differently. I chose to see that as a compliment because, listen, I don't want to be like everyone else. God didn't call me to be like everyone else. He gave me a mind I'm not afraid of thinking. And so, you know, your, your, your typical word of faith approach to Job is that Job gave, he caused everything. And they go to Job chapter 3, and don't put it up on the screen yet, we'll go there in a minute, but they go to Job chapter 3, and they say, the thing I greatly feared came upon me, and they say, see, 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 that's why, that's why, that's why. And, and, and I got to say something to us that um, we need to be careful not to ask the wrong questions when we're going through a trial in other words when we're going through a trial we tend to look for the why and i think the why is at best a secondary question the question we ought to ask is what now right we can cry about the why later on but when everything's burned down what i need to know is what now Because the why is really irrelevant because the why is not going to change anything. What I've got to do is what's my next step? What step of faith do I take right now? So I'm not going to worry myself about the why. I want to know about the what. Holy Spirit, what do I do right now? And I think in the word of faith camp that many times we become purity police, thinking if anyone's going through a trouble, we got to find out why. And the why? is irrelevant. And can I share? sometimes in life, how many of you realize life ain't fair? And sometimes bad things happen to good people, and there really could be no cause that you're aware of. And if a million years from now, when you're in heaven, you remember what you went through, you want to ask God, go for it. But I think the most important thing is, when you are going through something that's unbearable, and you want God to make it pleasurable. The question we need to ask is, what now? Amen? So, I, I, don't, I don't approach Job the way some do. Put up on the screen, if you would, Romans chapter 14, verse 23. Just the latter part of the verse. It says, whatever is not from faith is sin, right? <clears throat> now, one of the things you've got to do when you're reading the book of Job, you've got to understand Job... He didn't have the favor of reading the New Testament. In fact, Job didn't even read the book of Job. And Job was, most scholars say, he was a contemporary of either Abraham or Isaac. So that means he was part of the patriarch age. Moses wasn't even born yet. So Job didn't even have the Ten Commandments and the story of the Exodus. He knew nothing about manna. So we got to be careful That we don't judge Job by what we know when he lived before what we know was written. You understand what I'm saying? So we know that fear is not of faith. Keep this in mind, because what I want to do is I want to dismantle the why that most of us have heard that Job caused all this. So we know that fear is not of faith and whatever is not of faith is sin. Yet, if you look at Job chapter 3, verse 25, and this is is what the faith preachers will quote For what I fear comes upon me, and what I dread encounters me. I want to explain to you why he would have made this statement and let you know it was not what opened the door. Okay? Go with me to Job chapter 1, verse 5. Because there's another thing, the word of faith preachers, and I am one. I'm not criticizing. I, I, got my, I was ordained from Tulsa, Jerusalem. <laughs> I, 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 the epicenter of faith is where I got my training. So I'm not criticizing. I'm just saying that sometimes we got to be careful we don't try to change the narrative of a biblical story to fit our doctrine. Sometimes we just need to let the Bible say what the Bible says and deal with it, right? Because God watches over his word, not our interpretation of it to perform it. So this is what it says in Job chapter 1, verse 5. Listen to this. When the days of feasting had completed their cycle, Job would send word to them and consecrate them, getting up early in the morning and offering burnt offerings according to the number. He's talking about his children. For Job said, perhaps my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Job did so continually. Now, here's what I've heard some faith preachers say. See, that's a sign of fear. And my question is, since when did praying for your children become a sign of fear? Right? I mean, how many of you have children? Raise your hand if you have children. You ever pray for them? That's kind of the parental thing to do. My wife prays for me every day. It's not because she's afraid I'm out cursing God. She's just praying for me and she prays for you. So I refuse to believe that prayer is a sign of weakness or fear. Okay, so I'm just trying to dismantle that. I don't get it. Now go to Job chapter 1, verse 22, because this is what the Bible actually says about Job. Job chapter 1, verse 22. Despite all of this, all the things that have happened, Job did not sin. Is fear not sin? Yes, because whatever is not of faith is sin. And the scripture says Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. Now I'll put up on the screen Job chapter 2 verse 10. And we're going to quote verse 9 in a little bit. But Job is responding to his wife. And well like I said we'll quote it again in a little bit but you remember what Job's wife came up and said, are you still holding on to your integrity? Integrity is a massive word in the book of Job because listen, this is what integ- integrity is an engineering term. And it literally means to hold fast, to keep it together. If something loses its integrity, it means it's falling apart. If you're on a boat and the hull loses its integrity, you're sinking. If you're in an airplane and the wing loses its integrity, you're coming down, right? So what God is saying, what the Scripture is saying of Job, all these things going on, he did not fall apart. He didn't lose his integrity. And this is what the enemy was after was his integrity. And what the enemy was after, this is what he said, Job only likes you because you're good to him. Touch his stuff and he'll curse you to your face. And Job's wife comes along and says why don't you just let go of your integrity curse God and then die That's what she says Okay, and this is what job responded to her. He said You are speaking as one of the foolish women speaks Shall we actually accept good from God, but not accept adversity despite all of this job did not with his lips so twice the Bible says Job did not sin. So, Pastor, what are you doing? What I'm trying to tell you is sometimes things happen, and it's not a matter of why. I remember the disciples of Christ one time they came across the blind man, and they said, Is this because of his sin or his parents looking for blame? And Jesus said, it ain't about none of that. You're missing the mark. If you're looking for the why, you're missing the mark because this is for the glory of God. The healing that takes place is the only thing that matters. So what I want to tell you is when you're going through a storm, it ain't about the storm. It's about what God's going to do when the storm ceases because joy will always come in the morning. Quit focusing on the battle and focus on the one who's already won the battle for you. It's a matter of perspective. So go to Job chapter 2, verse 3. And then once again, the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him on the earth. This is what the, what the Lord is saying. A blameless, everyone say blameless. blameless. Job was, now if he had caused it, he would not be blameless. A blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil, and he still holds firm to his integrity. Although you incited me against him to ruin him without cause. Selah. Without cause. Job did not cause it. <clears throat> but now Job was going through it. And then, of course, now Job did say the thing that I had greatly feared has come upon me. But let's look at the story. Let's again, let the story tell its own story. So let's look at Job chapter one, verse 13. We're going to read a few verses. And it says in Job chapter one, verse 13, I'm reading it to you out of the New Living Translation. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting at the oldest brother's house, Now imagine it's probably we don't know what time of day it was But because they had been feasting and the oxen had already been working Let's say it's high noon, right? The morning work's been done. It's siesta time. It's hot So job is at his tent drinking a cup of lemonade And he's thinking man. God's been really really good to me. Some good things are happening My herds are increasing my employees are all getting along with one another My children are running wild. Everything's really really good And then he sees a messenger coming to him. Now, I imagine this is probably not out of the normal. A businessman needs reports of how his business is doing, right? So a messenger arrived at Job's home with this news. Your oxen were plowing with the donkeys feeding beside them. When the Sabians raided us, they stole all the animals and killed all the farmhands. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. Now, hold your place right there. This was unexpected. (laughs) This kind of stinks. I mean, everything's going good, and you got to come and tell me that my tractor broke down, my crops are gone. This was was a hit. That lemonade probably went to about half mast because Job is listening. He said, now, this ain't good. What are we going to do? Now, if you go to verse 16. <clears throat> while he was still speaking. Now, what I want you to see here is the, rapid, the, the, the speed at which this is happening. While he's still getting the first hit, while that first servant is still speaking, another one comes. There's no chance to catch his breath. While he was still speaking. Another messenger arrived with this news. The fire of God has fallen from heaven and burned up your sheep and all the shepherds. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. Verse 17, while he was still speaking. Y'all ever had one of those days? It's like if I get one more email, I get one more phone call. Somebody's getting hurt, and it ain't going to be me. And this is where Job is. It's one thing after another. Then this third one comes while he's still speaking. A third messenger arrived with this news. Three bands of Chaldeans, Chaldean raiders, have stolen your camels and killed your servants. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. I mean, Job's entered into the perfect storm, and he's got no idea what happened. And while he was still speaking, now, this is where you got to cut the man some slack. He was a man just like you and I. And I want you to picture, let's say it's Friday night, and your son and your daughter are out at a football game. And you hear on the news there's been a tragedy at the football game, an explosion. Now, you don't know if your son and daughter is involved. You just know that something bad happened where in the proximity where they are. And immediately you're wondering, are they okay? I hope somebody will call me. I wonder if they're okay. Job is getting everything, Job's entire life is being dismantled. One thing after another. When you hear about the explosion at the football game and you're wondering, I wonder if they're okay, there's a knock at the door. You open up the door, and there's two state troopers. They ain't said a word to you yet. All you know is something bad has happened. Now you got two state troopers there. Do you not think your heart would beat a little fast? You'd kind of feel that nauseating feeling in your gut, and in your mind you're thinking, oh, my God, not my children. I know something bad has happened, just not my children. And they start out with, Ma'am, your children. The thing I didn't want to hear, the thing, the only thing I feared is what I'm hearing. This is what Job was saying. He didn't fall apart about the camels, he didn't cry out about the sheep. The one thing he didn't want to hear. The object of his affection was his children. That's who he prayed for every day. And this messenger starts out with your sons and your daughters. He ain't had time to catch his breath yet. Your sons and your daughters were eating, drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. Verse 19. And behold, a great wind came from across. Whoops. Where'd page three go? The wilderness, yeah, it's on the screen. And struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people, and they died. I alone have escaped. To tell you, his whole world had collapsed. His wealth was gone, his joy was gone, his identity was gone, his heirs were gone. In one fell swoop, everything was gone. And then his wife comes. And this was where we go to verse 9. Job chapter 2 verse 9. His wife said to him, Do you still hold firm your integrity? You still think your God is good? You still think your God is in control? You still think God loves you? Why don't you just give it all up, curse God, and then crawl away somewhere and die? And just when it couldn't get any worse, Job's three friends show up. And I got to tell you something about Job's three friends. I've heard preachers quote Job's three friends. They, they'll include it in a sermon and build a doctrine out of it. And yet God himself said that what Eliphaz and his two friends said of me ain't true. So here's what I'm going to tell you. When have you listen, when you're going through a tragedy, be very careful who you listen to. And have you ever noticed that when you're in pain, everyone else is an expert? Oh, wow. Am I the only one? When you're the one in pain, everyone else knows exactly. It doesn't matter how messed up their life is. They know exactly what you're supposed to do. And I'm telling you, when you go through a battle and you've either just come out of one, you're in one, or you're about to go into one, when you're in a battle, you need to be careful who you listen to because just because somebody can form words don't mean they need to be heard. Job's friends came and they all had opinions. Everyone's got an opinion. You're sitting there on the... And the ashes of your life, wondering what happened? How did I go from the green meadows to the valley of the shadow of death? How did I get here? And they're all telling you how you're in one way or another to blame. There's two really good Greek words that I like employing in times like this. Now, you got to be astute to know these Greek words. you got to study deep because they're hidden deep in the Greek lexicon. It's shut up. <laughs> shut up. You're not the voice I need to be hearing right now. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to shed some wisdom. Listen, if you're going through financial difficulty, your broke buddy ain't the one you want to listen to. <laughs> I mean, if you ain't got no money, don't tell me how I should be spending mine. And I love it when someone who ain't never been married tries to come and give you marital advice. That would be like me and Deborah, who have no children trying to tell one of you who got three or four how to do it. Qualify the voices in your life. Please don't listen to everybody. Because things were already bad enough. And then when Job's friends showed up, they drove him from bad to worse. They drove Job into such despair that he actually prayed that somehow somebody could get in a time machine, go back to the day he was born, and erase the whole day. Yes, sir. Eliminate that day from the calendar. Job really did believe it had been best if he had never been born. Hmm. I wrote this down. Job's struggle was real. His heart ached and his darkness was unbearable. He complained that life was not fair. Now, I want you to understand something about complaining. Remember last week I told you, and don't take this as a license. You know, at that church they let us cuss. I like real life church because I can cuss all I want. No, that's not what I'm saying. But it would be better for you to cuss than complain. The Bible prohibits complaining more than it does cussing. And this is why, listen to this, complaining is a form of self-righteousness. Because you're saying you deserve better than that. And God's unfair to you that you're having to go through what you're going through. Complaining is a form of self-righteousness. And this is where Job had gotten to. Job was wagging his finger at God after all that he went through and he listened to everything his friends had to say. And I don't want to read the book of Job and see what they said. No wonder Job went crazy. Job's wagging his finger. And then in the 38th chapter of Job, God shows up. And we're still talking about an awesome God. What I'm trying to tell you is there are some things in life that they don't go away by discussion and dialogue. There's some things in life that what you need is revelation. You don't need an opinion from your friend. You don't need to YouTube it or Google it. You need a revelation. Because listen to me when I tell you this. When your revelation becomes bigger than your environment, then the enemy loses his ability of containment. When, when your revelation of who God is is bigger than the environment in which you abide, then the enemy can't keep you down for long. What you and I need to know is that our God is an awesome God. There used to be a song that we would sing, I hope that we have not too quickly forgotten that our God, is our God. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about our God. Our God is an awesome God. So God shows up in Job 38, and I want to read to you verses 1 through 4. Then the Lord answered Job. Now, as I'm reading, this is something so amazing about God. God never even alludes to Job's struggle. Hello? Job, God, God never comes in and says, Job, I understand you're having a bad day. You remember when the story of the prodigal son, when the father went out to meet him, there's something about God that we have misunderstood. In the story of the prodigal son, the father runs out to meet him, and the son has this whole thing rehearsed, how he's going to recite his sins. He's going to tell the father how unworthy he is, thinking the father needs to hear that, and the father pays no attention. He kisses him through the pig funk. He doesn't. And the father never says, son, I know you've blown it. I knew what you did. God, he, the father never even mentions the sin. And now here God comes to Job and he never talks to Job about Job's problems. He never mentions the camels. He never mentions the donkeys. He never mentions the servants. He doesn't even say anything about his children. God is about to take Job on a journey, and it's a journey each and every one of us need to go on. He's about to bring Job on a journey of awesomeness. He's about to say, Job, I want you to put your big boy pants on. You've been talking a lot. You've been talking about things you don't understand. I'm going to ask you some questions, and you're going to answer me, so pull them up. Because I want you to see me for who I am, not who they said I was. But who I am, because here's what I want to tell you. Your answer is in his awesomeness. When you understand who your God really is, your problems are meaningless. So that's how I. Is this okay? Well, how does your problem match up against your God? Everyone say my God." My God. God ain't no puny God. He's an awesome God. So God says to Job in verse four, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Then I'm just going to I'm just pulling out just pulling some things out of Job. I want to read these verses to you, though. But I mean, for three chapters, God is saying, look it. I do that. You can't do that. I know this. You don't know that. What he's saying to Job is, I'm God. And you ain't. So Job 38, verse 12. He continues on this journey of awesomeness. Have you ever commanded the morning to appear? Hmm? And caused the dawn to rise in the east? Have you made daylight spread to the ends of the earth to bring an end to the night's wickedness? Are you like me, Job? You said you know more than me. You were complaining about how unfair I am. Let's go to verse 16. Have you explored the springs from which the seas come? Everyone say this with me. My God God. is an an awesome God. Have you explored their depths? Verse 17. Do you know where the gates of death are located? Have you seen the gates of utter gloom? do you realize verse 18 the extent of the earth tell me about it if you know verse 19 where does the light come from and where does darkness go verse 20 can you take each to its home do you even know how to get there my god is an awesome god And this, I love, I mean, I just, I love how God is doing this. He's Because Job's gone through all of the stuff. He's heard all the opinions. And, you know, Job didn't cause this. And he's clueless as to how to get out of it. He doesn't know. Listen, have you ever been in the mall and you don't know where you are? So you don't know how to get where you want to go? And if you don't find that map that has that little dot that says you are here, you're like, I don't know where to go, man. This is four floors of confusion. Sometimes when you don't know how you got there, you can't get yourself out. You need to know your God is God, yeah. that he's an awesome God. Our David Shambach used to say, you have no problems. All you need is faith in God. So the story continues. Verse 31 of chapter 38. Can you direct the movement of the stars, binding the clusters of the Pleiades or loosening the cords of Orion? Can you direct the constellations through the seasons or guide the bear with her cubs across the heavens? Do you know the laws of the universe? Can you use them to regulate the earth? Our God is not that picture on a wall. Verse 34, same chapter. Can you shout to the clouds? and make it rain can you make lightning appear and cause it to strike as you direct you see what he's doing job had lost his focus he was focused on his pain and on his loss and god was coming and god will do the same thing to us if we let him he'll change our focus And he's not interested in dialoguing about our difficulty. What he wants us to know is who he is. Because when we know who he is, the weapons that are formed against us are meaningless. Years ago, there was a preacher who had stumbled upon love and grace. And he began to preach it until his denomination got irritated with him. And so they called him before a religious tribunal. And they gave him two options. You either quit preaching what you're preaching or we take everything from you. Well, he let him take it. And his friend who had come along to be a comforter was confused. Some of you have heard the story because when he left, he had just lost everything. His identity, his income, he didn't even have a place to live now because he lived in the church parsonage. And they took it all from him in one fell swoop and he had a smile on his face. There's something about people who know God that separates them from people who know about God. And sometimes you don't know whether somebody really knows how to pilot a boat until a storm comes. And sometimes you don't really know who you know until a storm comes in your life and your calm is unshaken and you are invincible and unmovable. And you know that God is bigger than the winds. He's bigger than the waves. He's bigger than the problem. And so you have no fear because God is with you. It may seem like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. And so this man came out of that meeting with a smile on his face and his friend was really worried about his mental stability. And he asked him, are you okay? And he said, I'm good. And this is what he said, because they only know about God. I know God. And when you know God, They can't take it from you. And whatever it appears that you have lost will be restored. Let's continue. Verse chapter 39, verse 26. Is it your wisdom that makes the hawk soar and spread its wings toward the south? Is it at your command that the eagle rises to the heights to make its nest? Chapter 40, verse 9. Are you as strong as God? This is what God's asking Job. Can you thunder with a voice like his? And then in chapter 42, verses 1 through 6. Then Job replied to the Lord. Listen to this. I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. (laughs) You asked, who is it that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It's me. (laughs) That's what he he said. (laughs) (laughs) Me. And I was the one talking about things I knew nothing about. Things too wonderful for me. You said, listen, and I will speak. I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. Verse 5. Now listen to what Job says. I had only heard about you before. I'd only heard about you. Not everything I heard was true, but I'd only heard about you. But now I have seen you with my own eyes. See, this is what God was after. God was saying, listen, Job, you got to see me because you're hearing the wrong voices. You're focused on the wrong things. And I need you to see me again. I need you to see the awesomeness that is your God because your solution is in a being, not in a plan of action. It's in a person. Yeah. You may... He said, I'd only heard about you before, but now I've seen you with my own eyes. I take back everything I said, and I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. <clears throat> Listen, there are some problems we'll encounter in life that cannot be vanquished by debate. And your struggle will not end with a discussion. And I, I've learned the hard way. The enemy's not real impressed with doctrinal statements. Hmm. You remember the story of the seven sun, sons of Sceva? They heard about God. And they thought, you know what? I'm going to go into this situation with what I've heard about. And how many of you remember what the, the, the devils told them? They said, let's see, Jesus, we know, Paul, we know, (laughs) but in good King James English, whoeth beeth thoueth? Because knowing about is not the same as knowing, and what we need to is get back to the simplicity of faith, of understanding. It's like what I preached a couple weeks ago, or was it last week? I don't remember what I preached week from week, but... God is good and He does good, not because of our goodness. Get the focus off of ourselves. It's not that God has to respond to our goodness, we're responding to His goodness. We love Him, not because he, we, lo- we love Him because He loved us first. And when you're going through a storm, look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher the perfecter of faith. I wrote this down. You don't need someone's viewpoint. You don't need their opinion. You and I need to see God with our own eyes. Go with me, if you would, to the book of Psalms. Chapter 19, I want to read verses 1 and 2. This is a psalm of David. Listen to this. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. And the skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. And night after night, they make him known. I think that it would do us well sometimes to slow down. Slow down. And change our focus. Walk out one night. Shut off the TV. It's going to be the same nonsense tomorrow. Shut off the TV. Walk outside under the stars. Look up at them. And remember, it's your God that hangs them in place. It's your God that names them. And it's your God that keeps them doing their thing. And as you gaze up in wide wonder at the stars, let his glory and his awesomeness wash over you and realize your rent ain't no problem to him. The disease, the trauma that you're dealing with, even if what you're going through is as bad as what Job went through, your problems do not compare to your God if your God is the one who hung those stars in place. And if you ever get a chance to go down to the ocean, stand there where the waves break upon the sand and realize that vast body of water, God tells it what to do. Do you know there's not, there's not a seawall made by man that won't eventually fail? Man cannot hold back the seas. God can. God said, I'm the one who tells the sea this far and no further, and it obeys. So when you're standing there at the beach, don't be impressed by your body. <clears throat> be impressed by the Sand and realize he knows every grain of sand every one of them See nature itself will let you know you ain't got no problems Pick up a handful of it and realize that God took one grain of sand and with that one grain of sand He calculates the weight of every planet in the universe My God my God And when you watch the water roll over realize every wave that breaks is a declaration of his greatness And you just begin to realize once again how awesome your God is. Then you can go back into your situation and realize this ain't nothing but a thing. God's going to change all of this. Hmm. (laughs) Job had to learn to trust in the goodness and the power of God. And in the midst of his adversity, he overcame by, listen to this, by enlarging his picture of his creator. You've heard me say to you before, years ago when I was preaching in Louisiana, the Lord gave me a vision of a man, and he said, tell him his problem is not the size of his problem. His problem is the size of his God. I want to say to you, Real Life Church, that when your problem is bigger than your God, you got a problem. You got a problem, but your problem ain't your problem. Your problem is you serve too small a God. For some reason, your God can't move nothing. Change your image of Him. He's the Almighty. He's El Shaddai. He's the Lord. He's Adonai. He's the Creator of all that exists. He is not impotent. He is not weak. There's no searching out His understanding. He far eclipses you. He's greater than you. He's stronger than you. He's smarter than you. He ain't confused by what confuses you. He's the beginning. He's the end. He's the Alpha. He's the Omega. He's everything in between. He's God. Our God is an awesome God. Angels bow down before Him. Heaven and earth adore Him. Our God is an awesome God. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. And He's good. Mm. There are times when His ways are incomprehensible. Don't understand. But we don't got to understand. We just got to believe. What do we believe? We believe He's the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. And so in good times, we seek Him. And in days of adversity, we seek Him. In good days, we praise Him. And this is all Job was saying. In days of adversity, we praise Him. We don't change when the seasons change. We stay the same because we serve an awesome God. And I want to encourage you. I got one more verse, but I got to encourage you. Go to the book of Job. And remember this. When this all started, he was the wealthiest man in the land. And he was a good man. He was an upright man. And when it ended, he had twice... What he started with. Twice. Remember the football game? It ain't what the score is at halftime that matters. It's what is the score when it ends. And when this game called life ends, you'll be on the top. Because he promised you, you'd be the head and not the tail. You'll be above and not beneath. It ain't over till it's over, and it ain't over till you win. Because God never, ever ends on a negative. One more verse, and then we'll go. Psalm 33, verse 8. Jackie, come on up here, young lady. Aren't you appreciative of Jackie? (sighs) Even though every time she says something, it involves more work on my side. I love her creativity, and I'm grateful. Psalm 33, verse 8 says this, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. Stand. Stand. In awe. I have no idea. Go ahead and give the Lord a hand clap.